funeral service in Washington. Becoming your own lobbyist on Capitol Hill. A funeral radio special. With Robert M. Fells, Executive Director and General Counsel to the ICCFA. And this is Bob Fells welcoming you to another episode of Funeral Service in Washington over Funeral Radio. Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining me. And uh, this particular show I've called How to Think Critically. And uh, first of all, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. When I say critically, it doesn't mean to criticize or to find fault with something. A better title is probably How to Think Analytically or How to Think Strategically. But the um, experts on such areas, uh, they prefer to call it critical thinking as in a critical thinking skill. Now, this is something that everybody can have, everyone um, can develop and use. I use the analogy, it's not unlike learning how to ride a bike. No one ever says, well, I'm sorry, uh, you're a nice guy, but you're just not smart enough to learn how to balance yourself on a bicycle. Or no one says, well, I don't think your IQ is high enough to learn how to ride a bike. That's nonsense. The ability, the skill to balance yourself on a bicycle isn't dependent upon your basic intelligence or your formal education or your IQ or anything else. It may take a little bit of doing, but once you've mastered it, and usually most of us learn it in childhood, um, it becomes a second nature. Uh, years, decades can go by before you have ridden a bike, but you get on a bike and off you go. And for some reason, you just know how to do it. It's quite a wonderful little thing when you think about it. Uh, if I had one wish, really, and I mean this, if I could wave a magic wand and have one wish to give to all of humanity, it would be that everyone, would have thinking as critical thinking skills and would of course use it thing is if you if you have it you're probably going to use it you know that's the good part now you may say well why is that why wouldn't you wish if we're just wishing you know for wealth or prosperity or anything the fact of the matter is critical thinking skills are a gateway they're a gateway to just about everything else you want to accomplish in your life not unlike young uh, Solomon, when uh, God asked him, you, know, you, you find favor of me, uh, ask me whatever you want, and I'll grant it. And young Solomon said, well, gee, I'm so young, and here I'm king, and I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just a kid. Uh, would you grant me uh, the gift of wisdom? Wisdom. And uh, according to the Old Testament story, the God was so impressed, in fact, it was a pretty wise thing for this young boy to wish, wisdom, that God said, not only will I grant you wisdom, but because you have chosen so well, I'll give you all the other stuff you didn't ask for. Uh, wealth and kingdoms and everything else, because you, you chose so wisely. Critical thinking skills is a little bit like that. Uh, it's a gateway for everything else. So, let's get started. Uh, as I speak to you now, we're in the middle of the political primaries for the presidential candidates for the Republican and the Democratic uh, Party. And um, it's moving very quickly. And um, 
I was going to do actually a show on things you might want to watch out for and things that the news media don't necessarily tell you. But I thought that the the uh, the landscape on the primaries and the many candidates who are involved and then who may drop out, that is changing so quickly. I've decided, no, the, the, the show will become so dated so quickly. So let me give something that's a little more generic and one you can really use and that will never really go stale. And that is this idea of how to think critically or develop critical thinking skills. All right. So let us begin. Um, today, of course, with the primaries and you go on social media sites, everybody's got opinions. Everybody has opinion. This particular candidate, oh, I like this person. And somebody else, oh, I don't like this person. Or even more to the point, that person is an idiot. That person is a moron. And rarely in these little chat groups and things, do you have any, anyone add a word onto those statements of like, I don't like this person because that little word because speaks volumes and the fact that so many people don't use it. What they're doing is they're engaging in sort of a gut level reaction. They, they're being quite honest when they say they really don't like a particular candidate or they really do like um, a particular candidate. I think they're being quite sincere. It's just why. And if you get a chance to talk to people or even uh, you're trading texts or things like that, uh, if you ask that question, why do you feel that way? Why don't you like this one? Why do you like that one? Don't be surprised if many times people cannot articulate their reasons. And they might even get a little angry. Because you've asked them a very logical question, why? And they can't give you any sort of satisfactory answer. This is an example of when a person does not engage in critical thinking. They just go with their gut reaction and they put no more thought uh, behind that. Okay? So uh, that's kind of what leads us to this topic and why it is relevant for the show, you know, Funeral Service in Washington, because this is all about evaluating candidates, positions, different issues that we as, as a nation, as a people are facing. Uh, I should also point out that the great thing about learning critical thinking skills for any reason in particular, you can apply it to so many things in your business life, in your private life. Um, it is absolutely incredible. You, you'll be quite amazed, I think it's fair to say, that once, it's like riding a bike. Once you learn how to ride a bike, you can ride anything on two wheels. You can get on a motorcycle. Yeah. You just don't have to ride a bike. Once you know how to balance yourself and your, your brain is picked up on that, Wow, you can get on anything with two wheels and probably do very nicely without any trouble. As I said, uh, learning critical thinking skills is not, depend, not dependent on a person's intelligence or IQ or anything else. Um, it's not in like, I guess, sort of if you feel um, tired and you need some quick energy, so you crack open a can of Red Bull, and I'm not, I'm not recommending that, by the way. But it does give you uh, some energy. Critical thinking skills sort of energizes your thinking and makes you really think. Once you um, have developed this skill, I think you'll, you'll never be the same again. You'll never look at things, at issues, even in your personal life. People that you decide to have a personal relationship in. 
you may will you may look at the situation um, much more strategically, analytically, just simply, I really like this person. That's nice, but you may go beyond that. And I, I can tell you, I've personally known uh, some people who are very successful, say, businessmen. They use critical thinking in their business lives and in making business decisions. Unfortunately, they don't seem to use that skill in their personal life, in their private life. And they end up getting into relationships with, say, an individual, giving them a legal status in their life, an entree to their assets and funds and property. And uh, when it goes badly, they find that it will cost them dearly. All because maybe if they thought a little critically before pursuing this, they might have handled things a little bit differently. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. In any event, um, there is one sort of group of people out there that, that are actually trained in critical thinking or analytical thinking. And those are, surprisingly enough, those are lawyers, that's really what law school is about. If you've never been to law school, you may wonder, what do they teach them? What do they learn? Surprisingly, a law school, which is usually three years full-time or four years, say, part-time at night, uh, a law school education, law school degree, does not really teach you how to practice law. You can't graduate from law school, say, pass the bar exam and get your license, and you just can't walk into a court and try a case. No one would do that. You'd be out of your mind to do it. So you're probably saying, well, what in the world do you learn in all those law school classes for three or four years? What you really learn is you review various types of law, property law, criminal law, constitutional law, tort law, so on and so forth. And you review important case decisions and you analyze why did the court come to that decision? and you break it down. So you start with a fact situation, you identify the issues involved, and then the court's rationale. Why did the court decide the way it did? Not, not just what did it decide, but why did it decide? That's critical thinking. And that's what I, I would wish everybody would learn, and it's not that that hard. So let me give you an example, and this, I think this is going to be fun. We're going to use sort of a, a, a criminal, a, a law and illegal action type of thing, and um, to sort of show you what where you end up when you don't use critical thinking, and where you wind up when you do use critical thinking skills. Okay, this is this is the story, and I'm I'm just making this up, but it's not at all improbable. Uh, let's say. Uh, Somebody's home is burglarized. They're away for the night, and on the night they're not there, somebody breaks into the house, steals some things, and most importantly, they steal a very valuable diamond ring. It's worth, say, $10,000. And that's perhaps the most serious thing that was stolen in the burglary. So the police are called. There are photographs of the ring. Uh, the police uh, alert local, say, pawn shops and dealers. If anyone comes in with a ring that looks like this, you need to call us because it's most likely stolen, and you don't want to be dealing in stolen goods because that can be a violation of law. So sure enough, after a few days, this one uh, pawn shop owner 
calls the local police and said, hey, there's a guy here who has a ring. They're trying to sell me this ring that looks an awful lot like that ring that was stolen last week. You better come by and look at this. So the fellow keeps the fellow there and the police come in. Let's call, let's call the, the man. I'm just going to grab a name here. Let's call the man who has the stolen diamond ring. Let's call him Johnny Jones. I, I don't know anybody named Johnny Jones, but let's just use that. So, okay. So the police come into the pawn shop. They uh, see Johnny Jones. They look at the ring and they make a positive ID. Yes, this is the ring that was stolen in the burglary, say, a week ago. So they decide to perhaps to arrest Johnny Jones, at least for the time being. And they bring him back to the police station and they ask him some questions about just how did he get this ring. Um, he can be accused of a number of things, burglary for one thing, and because of the stealing of the ring, perhaps some sort of a grand theft or grand larceny, uh, if it's worth, say, $10,000. Different state laws will have different causes of action on these crimes, but I'm just generally speaking here. All right. So it looks pretty bad for Johnny Jones. He's being accused of a burglary, which is how he got the ring. And now he's being accused of trying to sell it. He's caught with the ring in his possession, trying to sell it and get money out of it. Uh, without any critical thinking, you might say, oh, that's the end of Johnny Jones. They got him, throw him in jail and throw the key away, or at least after a trial. Um, that's what happens when you don't have critical thinking. But lo and behold, enters a lawyer representing Johnny Jones. And he doesn't know, the lawyer doesn't know if Johnny Jones committed the crime, burglarized, or took the ring, or whatever. He really doesn't know. And, you know, that's not his problem. Because on our system of justice in this country, the accused does not have to prove he or she is innocent, as you know. It's the state, the prosecution, that has to prove the person is guilty and beyond, and not absolutely, it's not a 100%, it's but beyond a reasonable doubt. Beyond a reasonable doubt. It has to be proven. So the lawyer comes in and says to Johnny Jones, okay, you got some explaining to do. First of all, you're being accused of this burglary, which happened on the night of such and such. Can you show that you, in fact, were someplace else and you couldn't possibly have burglarized the place? And Johnny says, actually, a matter of fact, I can. That's my work shift. I was working and I have time clocks. I punched in. There's people uh, who saw me there and spoke to me throughout the entire night shift I was on. There's my boss, my co-workers. And it turns out, in fact, these people do corroborate that he was at the uh, the factory all night long. The time sheets also corroborate that. So, And they don't find any fingerprints at the scene of the crime now that matches Johnny Jones's fingerprints. So um, the police pretty much have to let the burglary charge go. They not only can't place him at the scene of the crime, but in fact he has a pretty sol solid alibi of that he was working and he was seen. Okay, but what about the ring itself? He does have the stolen ring. How's he going to get out of that one? Well, let's say the charge on that is um, grand larceny or grand theft. Now, a crime, in order to be you know tried by court of law, it's usually composed of several parts and the state has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt all the parts, not just 
two out of three or three out of four. Now, in the case of uh, stealing, uh, larceny or theft, there has to be what's called a, a taking and a carrying away, that's the first part, of property belonging to another person, that's the second part, and the third part is with the intent to permanently deprive the property owner of that property, in this case the ring. So, in order to convict Johnny Jones of stealing the ring through larceny or grand theft, the state will have to prove that he took and carried away the property of another, whoever owned the ring, with the intention of permanently depriving the owner of that. Well, there's a couple of problems. Number one, since they're pretty sure that he did not, uh, was not involved in the burglary, there probably is not going to be a taking and a carrying away. So that part will fail. But he does have in his possession the property of another person, and maybe he doesn't know who that person is, but he's certain by pointing it, he probably certainly depends, uh, intends on uh, depriving the owner of that property in the future. Otherwise, he might have turned the ring in to the police and say, I found this, or somebody gave it to me, it's not mine. Uh, I, I don't know who owns it, maybe you can find the owner. But Johnny Jones doesn't do this. He tries to cash in on the ring. So the lawyer says, okay, Johnny, you still have some explaining to do. The stolen ring was on you, and you were trying to pointing it, which sounds like you're trying to uh, deprive the owner of this property. So Johnny Jones says, look, I can tell you exactly how I got this ring. I was sitting in a bar the other night talking to this other guy. I never saw him before, never saw him since. And he shows me this ring, and he says he's trying to sell it. And he'll sell it to me for $100. So I'm no fool, and I, I look at the ring, and I said, that looks like a really expensive ring. How can you sell it to me for $100? He says, well, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you. I'm, this ring is probably worth 500 or $600 if I had time to go and sell it or bring it to a pawn shop or something. The reason it's not worth more than that even is because if you look at it with a jeweler's eyepiece, and you can look at it in a way that the human eye cannot see it on its own, you will find that the diamond, in fact, is very flawed. And because it is flawed... It is not going to be worth what it could be if it were an unflawed, perfect diamond. Because of the flaws, it's only worth a few hundred dollars at most. And I need the money right away. I'll sell it to you for a hundred. And I know you can get more with that at some local pawn shops. So Johnny Jones says, okay, that sounds reasonable to me. I guess I'll risk a hundred dollars. So he pays the guy a hundred dollars. The guy gives him the ring and the fella disappears. So the lawyer hears the story and says, well, that's very interesting, but, you know, I mean, is there anybody who was with you or something that heard this conversation that can corroborate what you're saying? And Johnny says, well, the bartender. Yeah, I think he heard a lot of that conversation. We can ask him. So sure enough, they check with the bartender, and he remembers the conversation. He remembers seeing the ring, and he can corroborate what Johnny Jones says. Yeah, the guy said it was a flawed diamond, so even though it looks great, it's not really worth very much, and all this other stuff. And it turns out, of course, it's not a flawed diamond. As I said, the diamond's worth about $10,000. So through critical thinking on the part of the lawyer of picking this thing apart, the lawyer has been able to show the prosecution through corroboration and other things 
that it is certainly not beyond a reasonable doubt that Johnny Jones actually stole the ring with the intention to deprive the owner of the ring permanently. He thought he bought it fair and square. So uh, let's say, long story short, the charges are dropped against Johnny Jones and he's a free man. Um, He doesn't get off totally free. The $100 he pays uh, the guy who actually stole the ring, uh, he can't get that back. He can't keep the ring, obviously. The ring is returned to the rightful owner, and Johnny Jones is out of the $100 unless he could find the guy who who sold it to him. Uh, But that's an example, a practical example, of a critical thinking skills. And so we jumped from the initial fact situation, which Johnny Jones looked like he was guilty as hell, until piecing it apart and picking it apart and find that Johnny Jones isn't guilty of anything. He may have been a little too foolish in relying on what this fellow told him to pay off $100, but that's not a crime. Um, And he hasn't committed any crime, and that's the important point. So, this is an example of just the steps you go through. And again, it's asking questions like why and because. So, you take a conclusory statement, going back to politics, I don't like this politician. Okay, I hear you. Why is that? Tell me some of the reasons. That you must have some reasons. And again, if a person is engaging in critical thinking, they'll probably say, okay, fine, I can give you this reason and that reason. And you'll say, okay, okay, I may not agree with you, but I respect that you have some real reasons here for the position that you're taking. And that's all you're really looking for. Now, I can tell you that in the business world, pretty in retailers, stores, uh, they display things to try and stop people from using critical thinking skills, particularly at the checkout counter. They have candy bars and gossip magazines, and they are trying to encourage people to engage in impulse buying. They're waiting online to check out. They're probably impatient. They see a nice Milky Way or a National Enquirer, and they know they really shouldn't waste their money on either one, but eh, what the heck. So they grab it. It's impulse buying. And that's exactly why these items are there at the counter, because that is the optimum time for retailers to hope that their customers will engage in uh, impulse buying. Impulse buying does not really exist if you engage in critical thinking. You'll say National Enquirer is a lot of nonsense in those things. A lot of them aren't true. And as for the Milky Way, I really don't need all that sugar and carbs and calories. That's critical thinking. Okay. Uh, Also, when people go ahead and buy impulse, there's also something else they call, which is known as buyer's remorse where you come home with your candy bar or your newspaper and say, why did I waste my money on this? I really don't want this. What's wrong with me? But that's the thing about being human. We, we frequently do things that we know we shouldn't do, but we do them anyway. Anyway, that's kind of just an overview of how to develop a critical thinking skills, critical or um, analytical thinking skills, you will use them, and you should use them in every part of your life. There's no decision that's too small that you can't ask the question, I want to do this because, or I don't want to do this because, or I prefer this because. You start asking those questions, and you're going to find that you really pick things apart. And when you start talking to other people who don't, um, they'll be surprised. In fact, you might get into an argument with people, not because they're mad at you, but because you're calling on them to think critically and they don't do that, you know? 
So anyway, um, in closing, I think we've used up our time, if, if not more than that. Uh, went by fast for me anyway. I hope you've enjoyed this. And um, uh, as we evaluate the political season, as it goes forward to the political elections, which are now a few months away in November of 2016, um, hopefully we'll be able to evaluate as listen to people, even listen to speeches. People say things in speeches without any backup or support. They just say things. And again, if you listen, use critical thinking, you'll say, okay, that's nice, but how does that work? How are you going to do that? And don't be surprised if more often than not, the politicians really don't have anything to say about how they're going to do it. It just sounds good. People cheer and clap and applaud, but it, it's, it doesn't really hold up very well. So anyway, at this point, I'm going to thank you for listening uh, to me. And uh, this program has been brought to you by the International Cemetery a Cremation and Funeral Association, the ICCFA. And um, I'll only put in one plug. If you haven't visited our website, iccfa.com, you really should. There's lots of goodies on that site, news you can use. So with this, uh, thank you again, and I look forward to your joining me next time. Thanks very much. Bye now.